Welcome to the Glasgow Baptist Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Erdie Carter. We want to help you apply biblical truth to your daily life. Amen. Some of you wanted to clap there. Go ahead and clap now. That was, that was beautiful. I don't know if that's an older song. Is that an older song? I've never heard, I just, because I've never heard it before, but that's a really cool song. I really like it. Today, uh, we're going to be in Titus 1. We'll be in verses 10 to 16. So if you want to get your Bibles ready, uh, we'll chat a little bit before we get into it. If you don't have your Bible, there's one in front of you. I think it's on page 844. That's a guess. Just kidding, I looked it up. Um, that's on page 844. If you don't have your Bible, go ahead and get that red one uh, from the seat back in front of you. I say seat back in front of you, and I feel like I sound like an airline stewardess. Like, here's your pamphlet for the seat back in front of you. Anyways, um, since I have the microphone on, uh, I need more volunteers for children's church and nursery. So if you want to volunteer, let me know. Appreciate it. And so this past weekend, not, I guess probably I guess a week ago now, I got to perform my sister's wedding ceremony. And it was super cool. One, I've never done a wedding ceremony before. I got a suit, never had a suit before. And Greg makes fun of me because I never tucked my shirt in. So I had my shirt tucked in two times in a row. And so that was really cool. And I told this joke Monday at the deacons meeting, and they loved it, so I'm going to tell it again. And so whenever I was going home to Owensboro to perform the ceremony, my friends were like, what are you doing this weekend? I said, oh, I'm going to go marry my sister. And so... Um, they thought it was funny. My friend who wasn't from Kentucky, he was like, yeah, that makes sense. Um, but it was good. I liked it. And so today we're going to be talking about empty talkers and deceivers. And so in Titus 1, uh, last week, already was in the opening, kind of discussing the qualifications for elders, overseers, and deacons, uh, whatever, you, whatever you want to label them as. And we saw uh, our deacons here in the choir loft um, the deacons here are the group of men that are leaders within our church to help uh, guide the church well, where God wants us to go. And so the role of, deacon, of, of being a deacon is very important, and it's very vital for the health of the church to have quality deacons, and thankfully, we have quality deacons here. And so these men have been appointed to uh, serve as deacons, and they are pure examples of what godly leadership looks like, and I'm thankful for that. And so the series we're in right now, thankfully, Already trust me enough to continue his series. Uh, I was, I was going to joke with him, saying if I got to pick something, I was like, maybe I should give advice on something I don't know anything about, and I could preach on marriage and parenting, since I'm not married and I don't have any kids. So I was like, that, that would have been funny. Um, healthy churches, that's what we're talking about. And healthy churches need godly leadership. They need godly living outside of the church, and they need godly living inside of the church. And so last week, we were able to learn that healthy churches require blameless leaders who are not afraid to be about the gospel business. And so that was Erdy's big idea this week. And this week, we're continuing on in Titus, and we're going to look at verses 10 to 16 of how it is addressing the issue of empty talkers and deceivers that is, that is uh, in Crete in these verses. So if you have your Bible, uh, go ahead and follow along as I read and start in verse 10. For there are many who are insubordinate, empty talkers, and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision party. They must be silenced, since they are upsetting whole families by teaching for shameful gain 
what they ought not to teach. One of, one of the Cretans, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be in sound faith, not devoting themselves to Jewish myths and the commands of the people who turn away from the truth. To the pure, all things are pure. But to the defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But both their minds and their consciousness are defiled. They profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for any good work. Let's pray. Father God, just thank you for this day, and thank you uh, for everyone being able to gather here today. I ask that you move in all of our hearts. I ask that uh, we are able to uncover the truths here that Paul has written. I ask that you be with us during this time that we focus on you and you alone. It's your name I pray. Amen. So like I already said, our theme for today is that if you're going to talk to talk, you better walk to walk. And so we're seeing that there's people who are talking the Christian talk, these false teachers, but they're not walking the walk. And so we're going to be diving into that, seeing what that means for us. In the passage today, uh, the nation of Crete is being plagued by these false teachers uh, who are proclaiming to know Christ, but like in that last verse, their actions don't match their words. And so their motives and motivation behind pro proclaiming the news of Jesus Christ are far from the truth of Jesus Christ. So today we're going to be walking through each verse. We're going to camp out a little bit in each verse, and then we'll be unable to cover the truth here in Paul's letter. And so in verse 10, it says, For there are many who are insubordinate, anti-talkers, and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision party. And so I don't know if it's shocking for anyone else, but like how quickly uh, false teaching and evil infiltrated the church. Um, but something that I was thinking that where truth comes, deception follows quickly. And so that's something that I was, I was thinking about during this time. And it, it makes me uh, think back to Acts chapter 8. And so in Acts chapter 8, we encounter Simon the magician. And so Simon the magician came to believe in Christ, but encountered a problem when he was uh, talking to Philip and Peter. And so Simon the magician, well, I, I guess we all know what a magician is. They do tricks, right? They're, they're, they're playing with your mind. They're doing these things that make you think they have a special power. But they're not. They're just liars, and so Simon was, was performing all these tricks, and people saw what he was doing, and he was getting praised for it. He loved the crowd. He loved people chanting for Simon. Simon was all about himself. And so people thought that Simon the magician was from God. They thought he was of divine origin. They had this to say about Simon. This man is the power of God that is called great. And so people didn't understand what Simon was doing was just tricks. They thought it was real magic. Simon loved the praise he was getting for the people, and it made him feel really good, and it made him feel like he was somebody. Now enters Philip. Philip, one of the apostles. The apostles, have, the disciples have now turned apostles when they have gotten the Holy Spirit and sent out to tell the good news. So Philip comes in, one of the apostles, and he's filled with the Holy Spirit. And Philip is doing all these wonderful signs, doing all these wonderful things through the power of the Holy Spirit. And now Simon's a little jealous. His crowd's getting smaller. All these people are going to see Philip. And so Simon says, there's something different about this guy. I need some of that. And so now Philip 
has performed some miracles, and Simon wants the power that Philip had. Simon wanted the gift of the Holy Spirit, but he wanted it for the wrong reasons. He was, his, his motives for wanting the Holy Spirit were all about him. Simon wanted the power of the Holy Spirit so that man could praise him. Simon even wanted the, the power of the Holy Spirit so bad that he was willing to pay for it. Not even Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk has enough money to buy the Holy Spirit. You can't buy the Holy Spirit. And so Simon uh, was talking, saw, talking to Philip and to Peter, and he says, here, I'll give you some silver if you just give me a little bit of the Holy Spirit. Church, our God is not transactional. We cannot buy his blessing, and we cannot buy his grace. We can only accept what he has given to us. Simon wanted this power so badly that he was going to pay, he was going to pay Peter for just a little bit of it. As we can see, it took no time for self-centered hypocrites to infiltrate the church and muddy up the message. They were working for personal gain and self-fulfillment. That's what Simon was after. He was after personal gain so he could gain and benefit from the Holy Spirit so he could feel fulfilled. In the verses that we're in today, we see that in Crete, uh, there are false teachers and they're tearing apart families and households. And so in these verses, we don't have names. Paul never listed any names of who the false teacher was. Because wouldn't it be a lot easier if he said, hey, um, Jimmy is a false teacher. Look out for that guy. But I think we're going to uncover truth of why Paul never really listed any names. And so later on, we'll see that. But I, I do find it funny that Paul never dropped names because, you know, Paul seemed like a, a risk taker, you know, and I feel like he could survive anything to do. Uh, shipwrecked three times and then got onto the island and then got bit by a snake and nothing ever happened to him and he didn't even write any names down. I think that's funny. Um, but Paul has just expressed the need for godly leaders in verses 5 to 9. We see the need for godly leaders and now he's telling Titus to look out for those who are proclaiming one message but have another one. And so we see that these false teachers are of the circumcision group. And so these guys are, are rising up from a Jewish background. Because if you look back at Acts 2, the boom of the church, where are all these new Christians coming from? They're all, most of them have a Jewish background. And so these folks that are, are Jewish background coming to know Christ, they have left Jerusalem and now have gone to Crete. And so many of these new believers and converts thought that they had to transition from uh, Judaism to Christianity and they had to take over Jewish uh, traditions, backgrounds, spiritual practices. But thankfully, we're not under the you know, Mosaic Law or Mosaic Covenant. Uh, these Jewish folks did not have to do any of these things. The circumcision group, these false teachers were rising from the Jewish background. And so, I don't know why I thought about this. My brain works weird. Um, these false teachers remind me of catfish. And so that doesn't make any sense right now, but I hope, I hope it... Uh, I hope it makes sense. So if you've ever gone fishing or know anything about catfish, hopefully you know what I'm talking about. And so catfish are slimy, right? When you get them out of the water and you catch them, their slime gets everywhere. They make weird noises whenever they get out of their comfort zone, right? They're croaking. You ever heard a fish croak? They're pretty self-centered. I think catfish are pretty self-centered fish. I don't know many self-centered fish, but catfish are definitely self-centered. And... Um, they just hide away in their little fish holes until they need something, right? And so you see, if you've ever gone fishing, like bass and bluegill, they're always swimming around. But the catfish hide away in these dark, murky holes. 
and they only come out for when they need something. And when they need something, it's usually other fish. And so when these catfish come into shallow waters, they're preying on these small fish. They're coming to feed. And so when they come into these shallow waters, when these big fish are in shallow waters, what happens when they start splashing around? We don't have super clear water here, but you can kind of see decently clear water. But when a catfish comes in, he kicks all the mud up. He kicks all the dirt up. And the water gets dirty and mucky and muddy. These catfish come in, kick all the dirt up in in a lake or a pond or the river, and the water gets all murky, the water gets dirty, and it's super hard to see. Because these catfish come in and they're only worried about themselves. They're only worried about what's best for them. These, cat, these, these catfish are like false teachers because these false teachers come into Crete, right? And they have a clear gospel message. But when these false teachers are coming in, they're murkying up the message. They're adding things to the gospel that don't belong. And what was once a super clear message is now super muddy because these false teachers, the catfish, who were only worried about themselves, have muddied up the gospel message. This is why Paul is having to write this letter, is to give instructions to Titus so that he will be able to have clear water once again. So we know if you've ever gone fishing, once the catfish comes in, is the water always muddy? Does it stay always muddy? No, it takes a little time for it to go away, but it does go away. And so Titus is here to be able to clear up the water, present a clear gospel message, and to build up believers in truth and not deception. A man named R.K. Hughes said this, is that he related this, what was happening here, to a gospel plus message. And so this gospel plus message was the gospel, was that only faith in Jesus Christ saves. He had that part right. These false teachers had that part right, but they were adding things. It was the gospel plus things, plus spiritual practices, plus spiritual knowledge, plus, you know, specific diets. That is the gospel plus message. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ plus a little extra. And we know that the only true gospel message is Jesus Christ, and you cannot add to the gospel. They were teaching these people that they had to follow Jewish traditions or practices to be saved. And so we know that these false teachers had the Jewish background, so they were teaching them stuff that they did before. But we know that spiritual uh, knowledge or religious knowledge or, or special diets does not gain you access to heaven. What they were teaching has muddied up what gets you to heaven. Church, nothing that you or I can do by ourselves alone can gain you heaven. Nothing that you can do can gain you heaven. You can do all these good works. You can be a giving person. You could read your Bible. You can serve your church. But if all these are done with the wrong motives, they are useless. The only way we will ever gain access to heaven is through and gain eternal glory with the Father is through the bloodshed of Jesus Christ that he took on the cross for you. That is the only way to heaven. In John 10, we learn about the good shepherd. Jesus Christ is our good shepherd. In verses 7 and 9, John 10, it says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep do not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go out to find pasture. If you are here and wondering how you get to heaven, how you can gain access to heaven, it's through the doorway of Jesus Christ. 
He is the only way that we are able to gain access to heaven. Jesus Christ came, lived a perfect life, no sin, died for you and me out of pure love so that we could be reconnected with the Father. In verse 11, it says, They have been silent since they are upsetting whole families by teaching for shameful gain what they ought not to teach. They must be silenced. That's pretty self-explanatory. This is the responsibility of church leaders is to not allow false teachers to have a platform. If these false teachers do not have a platform, how, how are they going to spread their message? If they don't have a stage to get up on and spread their message, how are they going to do that? These false teachers are not dumb by any means. They might act like it, but they knew what they were doing. They went after households. They went after small groups of families. If you think about it, they, these churches during this time are like house churches. So if they could go in and infiltrate a small group of people, if they can get one or two believers in, in one house, they can have growth here, they can have growth there. Deplatforming de these false teachers is a responsibility of the church. With today's technology, um, everyone has a platform. If you have social media, everyone has a platform. I mean, you don't even have to have a smartphone. You can just use your computer. Anybody can have a platform nowadays. And so uh, I just think it's so cool how this still applies to us, is that we are still seeing that there are false teachers of the gospel. There are still people who are muddying up the good news of Jesus Christ. Is, and, and, and it's because everybody has a platform. A, name, a man named W. Worsby said that whenever God sows truth, Satan quickly follows and sows lies. And so these false teachers are upsetting households because they're going from family to family units. They're trying to gain numbers by getting a small group of people here and getting a small group of people here. Because if they were going to go out to the street corner in Crete and preach their message, what are the odds they're going to run into somebody who believes in the actual gospel? What are the odds they're going to run into one of the apostles or one of the uh, disciples? But if they go after these home, home units, if they go after these small groups of people, they're not going to run into anyone, most likely won't run into anyone that knows the truth. They knew that if they could infiltrate family units, they could gain followers little by little and they could grow. This is, where this, this is where I think of like the, the, the wolves in sheep's clothing. These, the, these false teachers are, are, are going after personal gain by exploiting the people. These false teachers have an appearance that doesn't match their attitude. John MacArthur, he relates that uh, these false teachers focusing on these small groups of people is kinda, kind of a way that like... Uh, groups will go door to door and try to have certain conversations with you or this is my how even cults work is that they gain followers by infiltrating a household these false teachers had alternative motives that were focused on shameful gain they have not been professing to what is the actual driving force behind their actions the driving force behind their actions is a want for money power glory and fame these false teachers often were, on, were their biggest fans, their biggest cheerleaders, they, and they were chasing riches. And so I'm sure you can think of a few folks who uh, attached their wagon to Jesus Christ, who have attached their name to Jesus Christ, but they're flying around in private jets. They're driving all these fancy cars. They sell a lot of books. 
They are dressed in Gucci and Louis, but they're completely twisting the word of God and leading people astray. The ones here in Crete are chasing money and they're doing so in the name of Jesus. In verse 12, it says, one of the Cretans, a prophet of their own, said that Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons. Hmm. That's a glowing review. These Cretans aren't, aren't, aren't that good. They're always liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons. They're getting a glowing review, five gold stars for Crete. But who said that? Scripture says one of the Cretans. So one of their own people said this about their entire nation. I think that's funny. There's a prophet named Epidemus. He said that uh, he saw his, who his people were and didn't hold back and threw them right under the bus. And so Paul quoted this man showing the, the dire need to have godly leadership in Crete. And Paul wrote this to make sure that Titus knew what he was going to be up against, what the type of people were in Crete. And so a historian named uh, Polybius said that it is almost impossible to find personal conduct more treacherous or public policy more unjust than in Crete. I don't know about y'all, but I don't, I don't think I want to go to Crete. If everyone is liars, if they're evil beasts and lazy gluttons and even their own people talk bad about them, I don't know if I want to go to Crete. And so they're called evil beasts because they acted like wild animals. They acted like wild animals. And lazy gluttons is pretty self-explanatory. Um, they didn't have much joy in everything else. They didn't have joy in work. But they loved to eat. But in, first, but in uh, 2 Thessalonians, Paul writes a verse here that I think helps. It says, For that even if we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. And so I think that's that's pretty bold, that saying if no one's going to work, they don't eat. And so in verse 13 to 14, it says, This testimony is true, therefore rebuke them sharply, that they, be, that they may be in sound faith, not devoting themselves to the Jewish myths and the commands of the people who turn away from the truth. So right off the bat, rebuke them sharply. These false teachers must be rebuked quickly and sharply to prevent them from leading any other people astray and polluting the church. In John 15 verses 5 to 6, Jesus is teaching uh, uh, that he is the true vine, that he is the true vine. And so in scripture, uh, in, in John 15, 5 and 6, it says, I am the vine, you are the branch. Whoever abides in me and not in, in I'm sorry, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered up and thrown into the fire to be burned. Church, if you are not a part of Jesus Christ, you will be cut away. This shows you the heart that Paul had. If you think back when, when we're just getting started, uh, why Paul never name dropped, why he didn't write any names of these false teachers, this is why, or at least this is why I think so. Because Paul, if we know anything about Paul, he's going to take the gospel to everybody. He's going to take the message to everybody. And who falls under the big umbrella of everybody? These false teachers. And so this shows you the heart that Paul had is that these false teachers are plaguing the church. They're leading people astray, but Paul still sees them as souls to be saved. I think that's pretty cool. And he says that these men 
Um, that he sees these men as people to be saved. They, all, all they have to do is repent of their wrongdoing and live for Christ. No person is ever too far gone for Christ, and that includes these false teachers. And includes these false teachers. This is why Paul didn't drop any names, because he thought that these men can still be saved. And so Paul's entire life is built upon the blood-soaked cross that Christ took for you and me. And that's the reason why he wants these men to know is from the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made. He, he went through that horrific death even for these false teachers. These false teachers need saving just like everyone else because in Romans 5, chapter, Romans 5 verse 8 it says, but God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Verse 15 it says, to, to the pure, all things are pure, but to the defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure, but both their minds and their consciousness are defiled. And so in life, I think there's people who only see good things, and then there's people who only see bad things. And so I, I'm a firm believer that there's some people that only choose to see the bad things, only focus on the negative things. And then there's people who only focus on the positive things. And then there's days I think that uh, one day we might be focusing on good things and then one day we might be focusing on bad things. Imagine your soul is like a lens and you're, you're able to see life. You're able to see life. And so one day you might have the lens where you're just focusing on the good. Oh, everything's perfect. And then you have a bad day and you're just focusing on all the bad. So imagine you have those lens. And so for the pure... Uh, these are those who have Christ in their lives, and they learn to see goodness and purity in our evil world. But the defiled person or the unbeliever, unbeliever will find evil in everything. They'll find evil in everything because their evil hearts and mind will take over any good encounter that they will have. If something good happens to them, they will find a way to see the evil in it. Whatever you fill your eyes with, whatever you fill your hearts with, whatever you fill your ears with will completely affect your daily life. Church, when our lives are saturated in the things of God, when our hearts are filled with Scripture, that's what will be coming out of our mouths and our souls. When we are filled with good things, that leaves very, very little room for the bad. Looking at verse 16, it says, They profess to know God, but they deny Him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for any good work. And so this is a super, super interesting verse. Is because um, uh, we have seen that works cannot gain you heaven, right? You cannot work enough to gain you heaven. The only way to heaven is through the sheep door, through the good shepherd, which is Jesus Christ. Works don't gain you heaven, but a dead faith is just as dangerous. They profess Christ with their mouths, but their actions don't match. And so many people are able to talk the Christian talk, but a lot of people struggle with walking the walk. If you profess to know God, your actions must match your words. That's kind of where I got the idea for, for uh one thing to really focus on is that I think in Scripture, especially in, in, in stories like this, if there's a, a good guy or a bad guy, if we're reading that, we, we really want to put ourselves in the shoes of the good guy. We want to be that person that's always following Christ, always doing the bad thing. But if you think about it, 
our shoes are usually the same size as the bad guy. If we profess Christ with our mouth, our actions must match. And so, I don't know where you are today. I don't know where you've been. I don't know where you're going. But I know why you're here. I think, I think we all follow under some of these categories. Some, and I hope most, are here to grow in their faith, grow in adoration, grow in love for God. Some are here to see friends. Some are here to see family. Some are here because someone dragged you here or invited you. I can say that. Um, I can say some of y'all are dragged here because I remember uh, being dragged to church as a kid. Someone may have brought you here or some of you are here just because that's what we've always done. Each one of us has a very, very different story. All of us are completely unique. But we all have incredibly similar beginnings. Incredibly similar beginnings. All of us were born into this world as a sinner. All of us. In need of being saved. And thankfully, we have that Savior. That Savior came into the world. He was born from, from the Virgin Mary, lived a sinless life, was perfect, did not deserve to die, but took it willingly. And so I think we have to look at the cross as not as Jesus getting his life taken away. He did not get his life taken away. He gave his life. He willingly took the cross. He lived a perfect life. He took our place and defeated the grave to reconnect us with the Father. There's a song, um, if you don't know that Christian rap is a thing, Christian hip-hop, that's a thing. And so there's a lot of Christian rappers and a lot of Christian hip-hop artists. And so there's, there's this one group, they're called um, the 116 group. And so it's based off Romans 1, verse 16. It says, for I will be unashamed of the gospel. That's what they're built on. And there's this one song, and it has a couple of the guys on there, and there's one guy, his name's Andy Mineo. He might be my favorite. In this, in this song, he has one of, the, one of the coolest verses of any song I've ever heard. <laughs> he says, when have you ever heard of a story where the hero died for the villain? I think that's pretty cool. And that story, he's talking about Jesus Christ, the hero, Dying for you and me, the villain. That's the gospel. Jesus, the hero, died for me, the villain. And why did he do this? Was it an obligation? Was it because he had to? Or was it out of pure love? Church, if you ever want to know pure love, take a look at the cross behind me. We may think of it as something decorative or a piece of jewelry we can have. But that cross, those pieces of wood, are what save you and I from eternity in hell. That cross, that cross is the way that the Savior of the universe poured out his blood for you and me. If you're here today 
and you've never placed your faith in Christ, what's stopping you from making that day today? What's stopping you from making that decision today? What's stopping you for starting your new life in Christ? We see in these verses that the church, the, the church in Crete was being plagued with false teachers. That where truth is sown, Satan will also sow lies. And so in this church, they were being plagued with false teachers. And Paul wrote this letter to save everyone who was going to come, that he was going to protect the church. Paul wrote these letters through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that he was going to guide this church. He was going to get this church back on track and he was going to help uh, deliver the gospel message to any, anyone that would hear it. If you're not here today, I'm, well, you are here today, but if, you, if you're here today and you have not placed your faith in Christ, I plead with you to make that decision today. If Christ is working in your heart, if he's telling you to do something, um, I'll be down here in front. Pastor Erdy will be over to my right. Our challenge for today is that if you are a believer in Christ, if you're going to talk the Christian talk, we got to walk the Christian walk. Let's pray.